0: the sport industry access podcast episode 83 what are the benefits of studying a sports business degree abroad at an american university Welcome to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. If you haven't already, sign up to my free sports career course, where in seven days I explain how you can pursue a career in the sports industry after university. So go to education2sport.com and sign up today. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who will inspire and encourage you to be the best you can be in your current profession, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in the sports industry. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests and needs. Now, getting back to today's show, this week's special guest is James Chowdhury. James is from the United Kingdom and a sports scholar at the University of South Florida. During his time studying sport, he has worked with a variety of sports organizations and in sports industry in America, which he will share during our chat. And for that reason, it's great to have James as a special guest on the show. That's why in today's episode, James will share his sports career ambitions and explain to you the benefits of studying sports abroad in America. James, it's great to have you on the show. Please, can you share to the listeners your sports career journey so far? When did it all start?
1: Yes, absolutely. Um, So, it started when I was really young, and as with most, it's on the athlete side. So, tennis was really my passion, although I played many sports uh, when I was young, especially throughout school. I was part of the LTA's program with the tennis and uh, future stars and at the age of 13 moved away to the university of bath where I was part of the LTA tennis academy there from there got to really got to travel the world and um, had a very high international junior ranking, which took me to the grand slams, which took me to all the different continents around the world. And it was for me, tennis was really my passion and it, afforded me the opportunity to go to college in the States where I did my undergrad and then got to play professionally but because of my um, athletic side that's what really gave me a lot of the opportunities to start in the States or at least start my path down the sports business world.
0: Out of interest James just for anybody who's interested in becoming an elite athlete is there a big gap between competing at college level Than professional?
1: Do you know, there is and there isn't. Um, And I think it all comes down to the individual themselves. And it's like anything in life if you find self motivation, you're going to be successful. But what you have to do is really reflect on yourself as a person and what your strengths are. It's very easy for coaches and people around you to either talk you up or talk you down on certain points. But unless you truly believe them and you aspire to either make your weaknesses stronger or to make your strengths become the best, then uh, you don't really have that that same chance. It's very easy when things are going right and wrong in a team situation because you've got everyone there to pick you up. But from a tennis perspective, when you're out there on the court all alone and when you're travelling the world and there's, there's no one else really in your corner. Yes, of course, you've got your parents to fall back on and your individual coach, but they can't be out there doing it for you, and it can be a very lonely place. So you have to really look inside yourself, and you've got to find something deep inside yourself to really motivate you. Um, the people that stick through it uh, and the ones that really work on themselves, not just their games, are the ones that tend to succeed. And of course, to make that very, very top level, you you do need a special uh, talent in there as well. It can't all come from hard work. You do need some talent.
0: Out of interest, what have you learned from that experience to where you are now from a career perspective in sport?
1: It's funny you say that because my playing style was not, I wasn't the greatest ball striker of all time. I didn't look like Federer out there. I, I just had to work hard. I had to be physically very good. And I had to really use my mind to think on the court um, and I obviously got to a pretty decent level, but that really sort of showed me that whatever I do in life, doesn't matter if there are people more talented, you've, you've got to work on yourself and you've got to, you've got to have that drive to do better yourself. And um, I think for me, one of the, the greatest assets I had was the ability to think in pressure situations and to calm myself down and that's the same in the working world if you can take some time to think about the problems that you're facing right now and you can try and put together a strategy to move forward just like in tennis okay i'm having a bad match or oh, this person's really good at this this and this trying to just slow everything down and put a strategy in front to chip away at things one one little bit at a time and I think that really that has really helped me move forward in the sport business world
0: out of interest what inspired you to study sport business
1: well firstly that was a, that's a good question probably a very loaded question in, in my book but um firstly i wanted to be involved in the industry that gave me such a passion when i was young so what you hear from a lot of people is oh i love sports well that's great most people love sports it's, but why do you have a passion and for me, the passion was to, it gives you, sports gives you a platform that no other nothing else does. And that's what really drove me to try and be successful within my tennis career. So I wanted to help others use sports as a platform to be the best they can be and to have that voice. And it just so fitted in that I did a, my bachelor's degree was in business administration, especially in marketing. Um, so it it was quite a good fit because I really wanted to stay within the industry, but I also wanted to improve things and give people a voice and be able to showcase different things. Um, again, like I alluded to earlier, I traveled a lot, so I saw some great parts of the world. I saw some bad parts of the world. I saw some tournaments run really, really well. I saw some run really, really badly. And it's a case of, OK, how do we take different cultures? How do we take places that are really innovative versus very old school places? And how do we move everything forward? And, um, and from a player's perspective or for athletes or from a fan's perspective, how do we create the best atmosphere or the best environment for that event to go on?
0: I think you just highlighted a really key point that different sporting cultures is really important to highlight from a business perspective. Just relating to today's main topic then, what are the benefits of studying sports business abroad? So in your case, it was America.
1: I think the biggest thing that I, and I will allude to this a lot, and anyone that knows me well will say culture is one of the key parts of sport. And wherever you go around the world, sport means something different. And the way you consume sport is different. And I, th- I think for me, going to the US, it made a lot of sense because they're very forward thinking in terms of sport. And it's not just from the fact that they have four major sports. It's the fact that the business in- industry around sport is so different. So there, it's a way of trying to take away the problem with products on the field or on the court or on the ice or whatever, because as we see in the UK or especially in European leagues, the product on the field is really going to affect revenues and, and what drives people to the games in the States. They're really trying to bridge that gap and stadiums are really becoming entertainment facilities. And it's how do you be able to attract casual fans or the avid the avid fans are going to go regardless whether you're doing well or badly, right? They're, they're hardcore supporters. But how do you attract those casual fans when maybe the product on the court or the ice or the field or the pitch is, is not quite there or having a bad year? And I think they're doing a really good job with that. Now, for me, it was interesting because when I first went out to the States, I thought of a lot of it as just noise, And, you know, that that's just a cultural perspective because I being from the UK, you go to a football match and all the eyes are just on the pitch. No one cares about the um, advertisements on the side or which um, burger vans out front. It's just right. We'll grab a burger. We'll go in. Don't care about anything else. As soon as the game's finished, we'll go. Completely different in the US. It's everyone's taking notice of the signage in the outfield or they're looking at the big video boards for the commercials or all the little entertainment pieces that go around they care about the food and beverage in the in the stadium or the facility so it's just looking at it from a very different perspective and what i thought was just noise and annoyance actually creates great opportunity and i think that's something that definitely Europe will start to look to moving forward because it's definitely a way of being able to create, create revenues for teams over here.
0: I think you've just highlighted a great case study on the show just now with regards to fan engagement. Just quickly, how has your degree from South Florida supported you looking back now?
1: Very loaded question. It's a good one. I think with the, the program that we're in, so it's you get the business side, so we get an MBA, and then we also get a master's in sport and entertainment management. So the MBA is very sport business focused in the first place. So you learn a lot of the generic practices, financing behind sports teams, stadiums, the accounting side of it, the marketing side, all the general things that you would in, a, in an MBA. But they, there's a little bit more sport specific. Now, when you start moving into the Masters in Sport and Entertainment Management, that's when you start really taking some classes that push the boundary as to it pushes your thinking, one. It gives you experiences with marketing or different uh, in different uh, projects. And I think that's probably the biggest takeaway for anyone that goes into our program is you get to touch so many different properties and you're exposed to so many different things that you can then really forge what you want your career to look like. Or if you had a very set path in the first place, you're just widening your horizons. And you'll be you're able to take in some of the different um, products that you might not get access to if you were to just go through that one route in the first place.
0: Would you mind sharing to listeners the application process you went through with regards to the opportunity going out to South Florida, just very quickly?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, mine was a little bit unique in the fact that I came originally. I was offered the assistant coaching job at the University of South Florida on the tennis side. Now. I'd been looking into graduate programs in the US anyway um, for all the reasons that I highlighted earlier. And what happened was when I spoke to the program director, Dr. Bill Sutton, about this program, there was no way I'd be able to coach at the same time because this program is so busy and we touch so many different things and you get to work for a local or one of the sports properties in Tampa. So... I I carried on my search and looked at other schools, but then I started to balance up in, in my head, balance out exactly what's going to benefit me more, staying in coaching for a few more years or being in this program that really is set sets you aside from everyone else. And after I, that equation was pretty easy to put together. So I then went through the application process. Now, for, for the most part, you want to apply as early as possible because it's a select program, anywhere between... I think it's 25 and 30 people get accepted each year and that's it for the for the year so with uh, hundreds of people that apply it's, it's a very small select program um but it or the application process also pushes you up your comfort zone and that's what can really set you aside you have to make a video about yourself and your endeavors in the sports industry beforehand Um, which anyone can check out on YouTube if you want to laugh at some point. Because for me, I know obviously some of my classmates are in there, so I I definitely get a good kick out of that. Um, Yeah, but it it does. It puts you out of your comfort zone. You go to multiple interviews. For me, it was through Skype, but a lot of them are in-person interviews. Um, There's a recruitment weekend. You get to meet with some of our program partners, like the Tampa Bay Lightning um, so the whole process of applying is a little bit unique.
0: I think it sounds absolutely fantastic from a professional point of view, because as we both know when we spoke at the conference in Worcester, that it's very competitive to work in this industry. How have you applied your studies in a industry perspective environment during your time now, but also during your studies?
1: Good question. Um, I think for me, I, I learned to... I learned a different side. We we spend a lot of time putting decks together and presentations together. Now, as as you know, when you work in the sports industry, everything's team-based. So what you learn really quickly are your strengths and your weaknesses. And you try to match yourself up with people that complement what you can do. And that's really helped me, especially moving forward uh, with projects. Now, I work at Minor League Baseball's league office in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, that's my residency. And um, for me, I bought some of my values before, which was my cultural awareness um, to Minor League, which, unfortunately, baseball is very old school. And uh, there's a perception of it being that way. Now, the people at Minor League Baseball now, especially from the league office perspective, are very innovative and very forward-thinking. So it's a case of how do we change that and how do we incorporate more cultures? How do we welcome more people into ballparks? Or how do we make it a little bit more interesting than just the nine-inning games? And with all the stuff we've done with in the uh, University of South Florida's Sport and entertainment Management Programme, ideas that have flown through and things that we've seen throughout the industry, I've been able to bring back to minor league and then add my cultural perspective on it. So having not been a baseball guy, that was one of the reasons they, they looked to hire me just for the fact that I could look at things from a much bigger perspective. Not only was I not a baseball guy, I was not from the U S and then I'd also traveled the world. So I could look at things very differently and coupled with all the all the projects we had done within the within the classroom or for um, some of dr. Bill's clients um, being able to put that all together and really help out minor league there
0: just on a personal note quickly what did you enjoy from that experience, considering you're big into tennis, you know probably the sport very well. How did you find it in an environment or a sport where you've got no idea in that sort of sense?
1: Actually, really easy. Um, I enjoyed it massively because one, one big perception that people have is when you work in the sports business world, you need to be working for a sport you love, and that's completely incorrect. It's Sport business is the same whether you're in baseball, whether you're in tennis, whether you're in football. The practices are sort of the same because you don't really touch the product too much. That's all on the player's side. Uh, that's all, that's another type of management. It's very similar. It actually helps if you've got somewhat of an outside perspective. Um, and of course, that's not true all the way through the organization because you need contacts on the management side and whatnot, especially from a league office side. You need to have those contacts with the uh, presidents of the clubs or the owners of the clubs now that doesn't if you're from a different if I'm from a tennis background I'm not going to know all the owners of minor league baseball parks so you so there has to be that balance but the general practices are very very similar and it's just who is the most forward thinking and and who can come up with ideas that can differentiate one product from another
0: just relating back to your career now what have you been up to recently
1: really busy uh, with minor league we've Just wrapped up baseball winter meetings in Orlando, which that was my first winter meetings. It was great. Uh, That whole event's put on by minor league baseball, and that invites all 160 clubs, all of major league, major leagues clubs, um, all the presidents of the leagues, the clubs, all of our partners, sponsors. There's a big trade show. You often see hundreds of of millions of dollars in trades done right right in the floor in front of you so it's a really big event for four or five days and it's all about the business of baseball so there's at any one time there's probably three seminars going on um, about the future of the business or how the league is going to change or some of the legal stuff that's going on so I wasn't involved with special events that put on the operation, but I was involved in a lot of the seminars. So it was just a very crazy time uh, and a great thing to be involved with. So anyone that ever does get to work in baseball, has an interest in baseball, I would highly recommend going to it because that's, that is a, that's a highlight of baseball, especially in the business industry. But um, other than that, we had recently come to on a trip to the UK uh, where Obviously, we got introduced at the sports, con- sports conference, and um, that obviously took up a huge amount of my time because I organized the whole trip. So we met with multiple properties, uh, Crystal Palace, Octagon UK, um, the Worcester Warriors were at the conference, which was great as well. That was a property that I've not really had any dealings with. Uh, we got to meet the All England Lawn Tennis Club and IBM, so got some exposure to Watson and artificial intelligence and sports. So carrying out that trip was obviously a lot of hard work, but it was fun. Um, and on top of that, there's all the wrap-ups when you get back. So okay, what went right? What could be better in the future? We want this program to be to continue to go internationally every year and to get that exposure. And that was something that I'm very keen on, is to make sure that's pushed because that cultural exposure is so valuable. Um, and most of the students, well, all of the students that came back not only loved the trip, but they they all mentioned how they couldn't believe there was such little sponsorship at the England-Germany game, for example. They were mesmerized that people only cared about the product on the pitch. So those sort of things are really really valuable for people to see um so just going through the recaps of that and seeing how we can make it better for next year or we can change things up has uh, also been taking up a lot of time but um good time it's, it's not it's not time that sort of ticks by slowly it's um it's all been a lot of fun
0: just on a personal note james what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career journey so far looking back right now
1: Wow, full of tough questions. Um, I think it, it's so varied because I obviously have it from a playing perspective and I could highlight so many different playing perspectives. But um, from the sport business side, I'm, I'm really enjoying working at minor league. It's, it's a challenge, um, but I'm really enjoying it. So what basically what I do, I work in market strategy and research. Now the way minor league is set up, we have 160 clubs, but we don't really own it from a league office perspective. We don't really own anything. There's 14 leagues and they're all run separately. Okay? So we have some sort of say in the way they're shaped and whatnot, but working on the market strategy and research side, because we own no assets at all, we basically have to come up with a whole lot of nothing and then tell everyone what that whole lot of nothing is worth, and then try and sell that whole lot of nothing. Now, I like to think that the team that is around me are very, very creative, and we pull out some great ideas. And I'd love to quickly highlight a Hispanic initiative we're going after now, which is trying to rebrand some of the clubs for a series of games in not just not just under his a Hispanic name, but also changing the cap, the baseball caps and the uniforms, and then everything in the stadium being in Spanish for the night and this sort of stuff. So that, those sort of things are ideas that we just come up with. We still don't own anything there, but it's a case of, right, we're now going to hopefully get an increase of X percent into the ballparks for those nights. That's a very ownable platform for, uh for a national sponsor so it's, it's things like that and it's it's fun coming up with these ideas and um getting together as a team and really looking strategically is how we can increase revenues for our club and how we can come up with these ideas that are very innovative and not been done in the industry before
0: i think we talk about sounds really exciting from a career perspective and i feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where i'd like to finish with an inspirational question What advice would you give to university or college first-year students who are studying a degree in sports?
1: One thing stands out massively, and that is volunteer. And that means any local events, sporting, entertainment, just volunteer for any roles that you possibly can, because it's really important to know what you don't enjoy just as much as what you do enjoy. And some of the things... I can tell you right now, there is no way five years ago I thought I would want my the rest of my career to be sat behind a desk all day, right? And it's not quite like that because we're up and about and we're um, in meetings and, and trying to come up with new things. But I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying what I'm doing, right? I thought I'd want to be on the event side and be closer to the action and whatnot, but it, it, that's not the case. Um, I got to volunteer for the college football playoff national championship last year, which was huge event. Um, I volunteered for the local uh, Tampa Bay sports commission quite a bit last year, things with our university of South Florida athletics. And I, between all the volunteering events, I managed to work out what I did and didn't like what I think I could improve being somewhere or what certain things really taught me. And it's important for two reasons. One obviously working out what you do and don't like, and two getting that exposure. You're going to meet people and network with people in every little part of the every part of the industry if you do that. And some of these contacts that you'll make can really help you, and you can really help them. And if you can add value to them, hey, your name's going to be put in lights very quickly. So volunteer because it will help you with all the things you want to do when especially as a first year and uh building that network is important
0: james you just highlighted two great pieces of advice and i really do hope the listeners take that on board how can people interact with you online
1: um right so this is this is a funny one so i am very 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 quiet on twitter and my professional mentor has just told me to stop. I use Twitter all the time for research and I do an awful lot of research through Twitter and I post nothing. So I've been told that I need to become very much more active on Twitter. So I'd love people to start interacting with me through at sports, James C. Um, Anyone can add me on LinkedIn. I would be more than happy to share ideas give some advice to young students or people that are trying to forge their way into the industry. And I'd love to hear from people that have experiences as well. So LinkedIn, Twitter, I'm also on Facebook. Definitely I'm, I'm more than open to speaking to people. I, I love meeting new people in the sports industry. And like I said to my advice for first years, you never know who you might meet, who you might work for, who might work for you in the future.
0: Absolutely. That is great. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. James, it's been absolutely brilliant chatting with you today. Thank you very much.
1: Ed, a pleasure. Thank you.
0: Wow. What a fantastic interview by James. And I really, really do hope you enjoyed that as much as I did. For me, this is why I love the work I do. Speaking to people like James, who are the next generation of sports scholars who are going to be leaders in this industry without a shadow of a doubt. And the reason why I'm so passionate with my response to this chat is if you're a student studying sport right now, I can guarantee you if you take all those pieces of advice that James mentioned during our chat, you will be working in the sports industry without a doubt. And for me, it's really important for me to highlight this during the ending because this is the purpose of this podcast show. It's to help you and me understand how we can be the next leader in the sports industry. And from a business perspective in sports, especially where James went in detail with his work experience or where he's working at in the baseball world and his environment, his background, which was tennis and how we can contribute to a totally different sport. It just indicates how you can add value in the sport you compete, which you're passionate about and how your experiences can be applied to a totally different sport, totally different sector of the sports industry in where you can add value. If I can give you one piece of advice from this interview is I highly recommend you re-listening to it, especially if you're a first-year student because you'll learn a lot from it and it will get you more prepared for your final year when you graduate. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, i like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. James said... There is one thing that stands out which University First year students should do, and that is volunteer. One, you'll find out what you do and don't like. Two, you'll get the exposure you need by meeting new people and building a network, which is so important in this industry.